I want to invite you this morning to identify whatever it is that's heavy on your heart this morning. Whatever it is that you're facing, maybe some physical challenge, maybe some sort of stress or challenge, whatever it is that's keeping you awake at night, what is it that you're facing? And then imagine, what if we could have what the first century disciples had? And that is, what if we could have Jesus seated right next to us this morning with a promise that he would walk with us through whatever it is we're facing? How would that change how you face whatever it is. But what if I could offer you something even better? Well, that's what we want to talk about this morning. This is the end of our Here and Now series. And we've talked about how the resurrected Jesus meets us in our sorrow. He meets us in our confusion. He meets us in our doubt He meets us in our failures. Last week, Jeff talked about he meets us and sends us on a mission. But we're still left a little bit with the question, practically speaking, what does that mean? Just by way of review, we remind ourselves that according to the Gospel of John, the creator God of the universe, the eternal son of God, at a point in human history, actually took on human flesh and walked on this earth. It's one of those things that perhaps we talk about so much, we fail to really think about what I just said. It's absolutely mind-blowing that the creator God of the universe actually walked on this earth as a human. In Matthew chapter three, he describes the baptism of Jesus. You have the voice of the father saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And you have the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit descend from heaven like a dove that lands on Jesus and remains there. It's so vivid that John the Baptist actually says he saw it with his own eyes. And the father had told him that would identify the long-awaited Messiah. It's this mysterious doctrine we call the Trinity, that somehow God is one God, yet made up of three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, one God, three persons, all of them equal in every way. If thinking about that gives you a Charlie horse in your brain, Join the club. It's mysterious. Nobody can really figure it out. 
The disciples literally walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, ate with Jesus. Jesus talked to them, he taught them, he encouraged them, he challenged them. They spent three years with God in the flesh. Perhaps more than anything else, Jesus had been teaching them that you need to learn to trust me. You need to learn to depend upon me, to surrender to me. And the disciples were learning that when they were with Jesus, everything was different. Then Jesus drops this bombshell on them. When he tells them, oh, by the way, I'm leaving. They had given up everything to follow Jesus. They had learned what it means to be dependent on Jesus. And about that time, Jesus says to them, I'm leaving. I want to pick up some of that conversation in the Gospel of John, chapter 14. The opening verses of John, chapter 14, are very familiar. Jesus tells them, I'm leaving. But you know the way to find me, which is when Thomas asked the question that all of them were thinking. Lord, we don't even know where you're going. How could we possibly know the way? To which Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I am absolutely certain these disciples in the upper room were both confused and absolutely terrified, trying to process what Jesus just said. We gave up everything. Now what are we supposed to do? I would say over the years, I've traveled internationally a fair amount. And I can also say with confidence, it's not my happy place. I just don't like all the airport stuff. I don't like you have to do this, you have to do this, and all that goes with that. And then they herd you through like a bunch of cattle. I'm the guy that is, seating, is seated at the gate and it's about 30 minutes before the plane's supposed to take off and they put on the board, flight, cancel. And all the experienced travelers whip out their laptops or their phones, they do something magical and they go on with their trip. And I'm the guy that's left saying, what are we supposed to do now? I just don't really like it. But I have to say, you have never really traveled internationally until you've traveled with Jeff Peterson. <laughs> it is poetry in motion. 
It is absolute magic. It is like traveling with a travel guide. I think I've seen Jeff do just about everything except fly the plane. <laughs> Several years ago, Patty and I went with Jeff and Cincy to India. We were doing a conference there. And it was by far the most relaxed international traveling I have ever experienced. I didn't have to do anything. Jeff will figure it out. Patty would ask me questions, be like, Jeff will figure it out. <laughs> Whatever it was, I don't know, I put my brain in neutral, just do what I'm told, Jeff will figure it out. It was beautiful. But what if we got in the middle of Mumbai, millions of people, utter chaos, and Jeff comes up and says, you know, I'm a really busy guy, just need to tell you, I'm leaving, have a nice trip, good luck. Perhaps that's the slightest taste of what these guys must have been feeling in that upper room. They had left everything to follow Jesus. They were just learning what it meant to surrender to Jesus, to follow him. And Jesus drops this bombshell, I'm leaving. We pick up the conversation then in chapter 14, verse 16. So all this is in the upper room. Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. A helper, the Greek word is paraclete. It means an advocate, a helper, someone who walks alongside. For three years, Jesus had walked with them. He had been with them every step of the way. They had learned to depend upon him. But he's just told them that he's leaving. But what Jesus just said is, I'm going to ask the Father. And he's going to send another helper. The Greek language has two different words for another. One means another of a different kind. The other means another of the same kind. This is the word that means another of the same kind. Just reading the English, it's clear. Jesus didn't say, I'm gonna send you a helper. He said, I'm gonna send you another helper, implying you've had one. What the disciples had learned is when Jesus is with us, everything changes. So I am gonna leave, but I'm gonna send another one just like me and he will be with you forever. Now, I don't know if you realize this or not, but forever is a really long time. In other words, there'll never be another moment like what they're experiencing in the upper room. Once this helper comes, he would never leave them, he'll be with them forever. 
Jesus goes on, verse 17, that is the spirit of truth, meaning the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you, present tense, and will be in you, future tense. The spirit of God descended like a dove and remained on Jesus. So through Jesus' earthly ministry, the Holy Spirit of God was with him. So whether the disciples understood this or not, for three years to abide with Jesus was to abide with the Spirit. That's what he's saying. You have abided with him. But pretty soon, he's going to be in you. As a matter of fact, chapter 16, verse seven, Jesus says, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I'm guessing in the upper room, they're thinking, we don't want anything different. We want Jesus, we want Jesus to be with us. That's what they had come to know. But what Jesus just said to them is this is going to be better. To your advantage I go, so I can send the helper, I can send the Holy Spirit of God. There is a reality that when Jesus was here in his incarnation, if Jesus was in Jerusalem, he wasn't in Galilee. When Jesus sent out the disciples two by two, he couldn't go with all of them. He sent them out and they went without him. But when he sends the helper, it's going to be different. He won't just be with you, he will be in you. Now, I'm guessing they didn't understand much of this. They were pretty traumatized. I think they were probably pretty emotional. But within a matter of hours, Jesus would be arrested and taken away from them. And they would scatter. So Jesus was one place and they were somewhere else. And they did not do well. It's hard to imagine the fear and the terror they experienced in those days. As Jesus went through his trial, the crucifixion was buried and rose again. Having risen from the dead, Jesus met them in different ways in different times. That's what we've been talking about over the last several weeks. Last week, Jeff talked to us about the great commission that Jesus meets us and calls us to a mission. It's very interesting how that conversation ends. When Jesus says, lo, I am with you always. Three days before, they were in the upper room and absolutely terrified that Jesus was leaving. 
But now Jesus says, I'm not only sending you on a mission, but I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. But again, that's rather confusing because we get to Acts chapter one and Jesus is leaving again. He's ascending back to the Father. Acts 1.1, the first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs. This is what we've been talking about over the last several weeks. Appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. So this is how Jesus will be with them always, even to the end of the age. He will ascend to the Father, and he will send his spirit to be with them forever. Acts chapter two, verse one. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there's a lot in those verses that I don't wanna get into. We recently went through the book of Acts. You can access those messages and transcripts for the description of Acts chapter two. For our purposes, to realize 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, Pentecost, God fulfilled the promise Jesus made in sending his Holy Spirit to indwell all believers. Literally, from that moment on, there would never be another time when any of these disciples would ever experience what they experienced in that upper room. This absolute confusion and terror, Jesus is leaving because from that moment on for the rest of eternity, there will never be a moment where they will ever 
be alone again. But it's not just for them. Acts chapter two ushers in what's called the new covenant, brought about through the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. One of the characteristics of the new covenant is when a person trusts Jesus as savior at that moment of conversion, that person is indwelt with the very presence of the creator God, the Holy Spirit of God. It is virtually impossible in the new covenant to be a believer and not have the Holy Spirit. Another way of saying this is as of the moment you trusted Jesus as Savior, there will never be another moment for the rest of eternity where you will ever be alone. That's mind-blowing. But it still seems kind of vague, kind of mysterious. It's like, I still don't really understand what that means. I think the best way to understand it is how Jesus explained it to them. It's living life as if Jesus were right there by your side. That changes everything. The disciples had come to learn when Jesus is with us, everything changes. Oh, you're running out of wine for the marriage feast? No problem. Jesus will turn the water to wine. Oh, we got 5,000 people to be fed. What do you have? Oh, a few loaves and fishes. No problem. Jesus can feed 5,000 people with a few loaves and fishes. Oh, we're out on the storm or out on the sea in the middle of a storm and we think we're gonna die. No problem. Jesus is sleeping in the boat. Just wake him up. The blind were made to see, the lame were made to walk, the dead were raised to life. When Jesus was with them, everything changed. The most practical way to think of it is what would it be like to go through whatever you're going through with Jesus right there by my side every step of the way in the most ordinary and the extraordinary moments of life. I remember years ago when my oldest daughter, Ashley, was transitioning from human elementary school to pound middle school. We had had a great experience at human. Everything we knew about pound was positive great administration and teachers didn't have anything to do with that. It had to do with the fact that I'm a dad and I have three girls and dads want to protect their girls. So I remember there was an open house and you could go through the school and find your locker and your classes and all this was so different than elementary school. 
And I remember saying to Patty as we walked the halls, I don't like this at all. Plan A was I'll just go to school with her. <laughs> I'll go to class with her. I'll walk through the hall with her. I'll just go to school with her. But apparently class, plan A wasn't going to work. But I remember vividly thinking in that moment that even though I can't go with her, the eternal creator God dwells within her and does go with her. There will never be one moment in that school where she will ever be alone. What I as a dad so wanted to be able to do, the Spirit of God would do for her and still does for her today. Sometimes it's a little bit more dramatic. Years ago, my middle daughter, Bobby, who's a stylist, read a book about a mission organization that sent stylists into Muslim countries in order to train women how to cut hair. Literally, with just the price of a pair of scissors, a woman could make a reasonable living with just a pair of scissors. But it also created an outpost where they could begin to reach these women with the love of Jesus. So she decided she wanted to do that. So she contacted the mission organization, she made all the arrangements. And basically, the arrangements were this. All she knew is she was going into Afghanistan. And did I happen to mention it was during the war? From that point, someone would meet her at the airport and they would take her somewhere. That's all she knew. And that's all her parents knew. So as of flying into Koppel, she disappeared. For two weeks, no communication. We just knew she was there somewhere. I have to say that's a pretty good way to increase a parent's prayer life. <laughs> two weeks later, she came out, contacted us, let her know, let us know she was out. But I remember during that time vividly reminding myself, she does not go alone. The eternal spirit of God dwells within her and there would not be one moment of time where she would ever be alone. Even if I did go with her, what am I going to do? The Spirit of God could do for her what I could never do for her. Just as if Jesus were right there beside her every step of the way. Years ago, Patty and I were sent on a missions trip 
to visit some of our missionaries. So we went to Guyana, spent time in Georgetown, and then on into Brazil. From Georgetown, we were to fly all the way to a little village in the jungle on the northern border called Lethem. This is our instructions. When you get to the airport, look for the international crossing. When you find the international crossing, there is a ferry there. And the ferry will take you across the river to Brazil and the missionaries will meet you there. Sounds fine. So when we came in and landed, it wasn't an airport, it was a dirt path in the jungle. And there was a fallen down shack that was the airport and no one was there. We looked around for someone to ask them, where is the international crossing? Now, when you hear international crossing, what comes to mind? I think of flags. I think of a coffee shop. I think of a gift shop. Get a little snack and get on this nice ferry and cruise across the river. I asked someone, where is the international crossing? To which he said, well, which one? There's several. I said, I, I don't know. He says, probably this one. So we walked down to the river and literally there's just a little dirt spot at the river. That's the international crossing. And there's a barge that has a platform and four 50 gallon drums and an outboard motor, that's the ferry. So he cranks up the motor, he crosses the river. On the other side of the river, there's a little worn spot in the bank. That's the other side of the crossing. He drops us off and his last words to us were, oh, by the way, if someone comes and wants you to go with them, don't go with them. <laughs> and he leaves. This is before cell phones. There's nothing around us but jungle and a little bit of bank. And we are all alone. And we're both thinking, I'm not sure what to do now. I'm not even sure what country I'm in right now. But I remember two things. One is I remember Patty wasn't real enthused with the arrangements there. But I also remember we talked about we're not alone here. The God of the universe dwells within us. It's as if Jesus is standing on the bank with us and whatever comes, he's with us and we're gonna have to trust him. About 45 minutes later, the missionaries come, they pick us up and everything was fine. The reality is whatever it is you're facing, whatever it is that's keeping you awake at night, whatever it is that's heavy on your heart this morning, the spirit 
of Jesus is with you every step of the way. And he will do for you what you could never do for yourself. When we say the resurrected Jesus meets us here and now, that's not just a clever title for a series. It's not just some sort of bumper sticker slogan. We actually mean that's true. That from the moment you trust Jesus as Savior, the Holy Spirit of God dwells within you. And from that moment on, there will never be another moment forever where you will ever go through anything all alone. Sometimes people say, well, I don't know. I just don't feel it. What's that got to do with it? I'm not asking you to feel it this morning. I'm asking you to believe God tells the truth. And to believe it because once you believe that and understand it, that changes everything. Our Father, we're so thankful this morning that as your children, we do not walk through anything alone. Lord, we're thankful that your Holy Spirit dwells within each of us every step of the way. Lord, may we understand that and believe that in the midst of whatever it is we're facing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.